0: And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. right, ladies and gentlemen, it is time to rock and roll. It is Wednesday. We've survived at least half the week. Welcome everyone. We are live from the bunker, and we are broadcasting to both YouTube and Facebook. The comments and the chats are open. If you are not live with us, if you're Memorex, you can still leave us a comment and share your thoughts. You can send us an email live from the bunker at sci com, And you can join us on all of the social media accounts. We're pretty much everywhere you are. And if you are of a mind to listen to us by podcast. We are on a number of players, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Double Twitch, Stitcher, TuneIn, a Pocket Cast. Get all of that in. Oh my goodness gracious. Alright, we do also have a newsletter. I want to encourage you to sign up for that. Uh just in case any of the social medias kinda of go sideways. We haven't been canceled yet. We've gotta try harder, I guess. And just to let people know, um, we do have uh, something I'd like to share with you here real quick. Our friend Drunk3PO is going to be having a charity stream tonight to raise money for Operation Underground Railroad. They, uh, they battle uh, child trafficking, and that is tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern. So just want to share that with you real quick. And let me turn this one thing off. And that's all the stuff that I've got tonight, or not tonight, rather, um, Friday at 4 p.m. Central. Uh, We're going to do a brand new tartar Sauce. We're going to do a different time. It's at 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Central. They're going to be discussing Doctor Who. And in this particular conversation, they're talking about the monsters that are essentially played out. We've had enough. Thank you. All right. Now, all that out of the way... So now, let's bring in our guest editor and publisher at Bay and Books, Tony Weisskopf, joins us today. Good afternoon. Hi.
1: Hey everybody. I will say we also have with us Smokey the Cat.
0: <laughs> well, Per-Smokey. welcome, welcome Smokey. So uh, yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at some of these different uh, some of these different interviews with you, and a lot of them touch on the the anthropology. You started off, you, you were a student of anthropology of all things, and now you're editing science fiction. And I've seen you made the comment a couple of places how they're very much related in a way. So how did you, how did you go from one to the other? What was your, what was your path?
1: well i i have to say that uh the, the the initial path when i went into when i went into college is that i thought i was going to be going to medieval history um but um uh i was uh, i discovered um some way somewhere about Midway through my sophomore year, that I was spending all my time on science fiction, the science fiction club, teaching science fiction classes, doing science fiction fanzines, arranging science fiction speakers to come to the, come to come to college, and um, so uh, a friend of mine um, sat me down, looked at me, and said, "You know, you're going into publishing, right?" And I I was like no, I hadn't known that, but you're right. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Um, and so after that, I needed a major, um, and I loved anthropology. Anthropology was great fun. Um, so it was less that I decided I went from anthropology to science fiction, and more that I had to graduate, and uh, anthropology was my path to graduation, um, and medieval history was not going to be my path. Um, as it turned out, at Oberlin College at the time, the uh, the the person in the history department who specialized in medieval history was interested in medieval philosophy, um, which is medieval Christian philosophy, mm-hmm. which is literally the philosophers arguing the number of angels on the head of a pin. It is the least interesting part of medieval history that you could possibly go for, and I include statistics on famine in this. Okay, so, um, so I so I, I, I it was not going to be for me medieval history at Oberlin College at the time. Right, uh, but the anthropology was great fun. I really enjoyed. it.
0: Well, and I've seen you made the make the point that uh, the your background in anthropology, you, you know, when you look at all of the different 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 ways that science fiction examines not just the human condition but you know you you're creating out of whole cloth other civilizations other cultures other histories and and that sort of thing i never actually made that connection before when i was reading all of this you know that actually does make a certain amount of sense because you in your world building you have to you know it's all of those details it's it's you know how many how many loads of laundry did they do in a day you know it's, it's that minutia that really adds depth into the world building and the believability and and it brings it brings to mind you know ann mccaffrey's world building on pern because you've got to oh, yeah. you've got to create this entire culture with you know how did we, how did we get from this point back here point a to point M, where we are in our current history, so it's it's a something probably worth looking at for a number of other people. Have you had conversations when you're editing other other authors' books? Does this how much does this come up in conversation in terms of adding depth to the world building?
1: It it does. It really does. Um, it, you know, anthropology does give you um, good cultural cultural anthropology, which is what I was studying. Um, it really does give you that. Um, broad brush understanding of human universals and human systems. Um, so um, uh, it, this doesn't happen so much with, with authors um, that uh, that are in our stable because those guys um, and ladies, I include, I'm from New York. So guys is everybody. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so uh, is, uh, you know, they, 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 are very, very good at what they do. Uh, but certainly when I'm doing um Workshops um, or talking with with uh, newer writers, (laughs) Um, believability is a huge part of what it is that I talk about, and and this is for on the fantasy side as well. Your systems have to hold together. You have to the the reader has to believe that your world is real um, for you know to to be able to get that suspension of disbelief and to to be able to fall into the um uh you know into the into the story that you're telling them um and, you know and that can be wild and crazy and and you know and as far futuristic and and, and as you know fantasy magic filled as, as as you want but you still have to you, you can't have that speed bump for the reader you can't have that oh that's not how that works or it's like oh people don't do that um you have to be able to get them there
0: right so, so uh a lot of a lot of time, I mean, we've we've interviewed a number of authors who have come through here, and and we've talked to comic book creators and and artists and and that sort of thing. Haven't really had a whole lot of conversations with editors because in, in 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 the publishing world, on from the outside looking in, people will look at you know they'll pick up a book and and they might or might not recognize the author's name, but there's really I don't think much of a layman's understanding. You know, people people know that there are editors that exist, uh, but not exactly what the editor does. And your name in in genre circles, especially your name is fairly well known. You're considered you're you're highly regarded. I've seen nothing but uh, good comments about you in the in the main. So how do you, what for the people who don't quite understand what exactly does an editor do? versus what a copy editor does? Because I know there's a distinction there.
1: Well, there is. Um, there, there, there's, there's a bunch of different levels of editors. Um, and, and it also depends uh, really not only on the author, but the work that, you're, that, that you have in front of you. Um, so an acquisitions editor, if they get in a perfect short story or, or, or a perfect novel, what they do is nothing nothing you don't mess with it um that's very hard to do by the way (laughs) um but uh, uh so you know a different author or different or different even work by by an author that you're familiar with might require um something different um sometimes it's a conversation um just to get ideas flowing sometimes it's uh uh, a conversation when an author is, um, you know, ha, ha, has come to a bump in their road and they're not really sure which solution is best or which way to go or, or what to concentrate on. Um, sometimes, um, sometimes the developing in the developmental editor uh, hat uh, is um, uh, comes after the story has been delivered, um, and you from your remove from the author, able to say, you know what, the pacing in the second chapter or the second section isn't quite fast enough, or or you rush through the the ending. That happens a lot. Um, you rush through the ending, the reader needs a little more there because this is a, you know, this is an important part. So we need we need to see more on the page. We know it was up here, yeah. but we're not seeing enough of it on the page. Um, So it it, it really, there's a lot of different things that a developmental editor can do. Um, A copy editor is in particular looking more for line to line sorts of um, issues, Um, things of issues of grammar, of continuity, making sure that the gray cat who is annoying you by sitting right there, stepping on your laptop is still a gray cat at the end of the interview, unless there's been some magic and it's okay that they're blue, right? Um, It could be a highline cat. We need to see the magic happen. That's right. Um, So, all right. Sorry about that. Make sure that this is not the caregiver, and it's not. So, um, I I have a um, my my daughter is with caregivers right now. So, in case of emergency, I need to know that. So got thank you. It.
0: Thank you, audience. <laughs> so, and, and speaking of, we've got Sci-Fi Snob in the chat asking, any suggestions for aspiring editors? So if you've got somebody who wants to yeah. become an acquisitions editor, for example, or uh, or a, a, a main line editor, how would one go about doing that? Because that's not just, oh, I think I'm going to write a book today, and I just get in front of the keyboard and start going. Editors, you, you've right. got to actually have an in somewhere, I would expect. <laughs>
1: You you do. And uh, because we are in a uh, charmingly interesting time um, and uh, I
0: like how you uh, put that.
1: <laughs> it, 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 things, things have changed yeah. um, from when I got in the business. Um, there's a lot of uh, independent writers out there um, hiring independent editors. So you can, in fact, just set out your shingle and say, hey, I'm an editor. Um, but uh, but doing an internship um, with uh, with a larger publisher is a good way to go. Volunteering for um, uh, a semi-pro magazine to look at their slush pile is is another way to go, and also to test your tolerance um, for uh, for reading and to and to and to be able to test your taste um, to see if in fact what it is that you choose are things that other people also like. Um, so uh, internships are probably the best way to get started. Um, we at Bain do have an internship, and if you're in college, um, you can get college credit um, for uh, for our unpaid internships. We also will buy you lunch um, and give you lots of free books. So um, that's our plug for Bain books right there.
0: So when you're when you're teaching somebody this, it it almost seems to me because in 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 most industries. You've either got it or you don't. Uh, there's a, there's a skill set that comes with it and a certain amount of talent, and, and I would expect maybe just a little bit of just gut instinct on knowing what makes a good story, knowing what, what's going to sell, what's not going to sell. How do you teach somebody that? And, and what, is, what does somebody need to know going in? What makes a good story? And I imagine the criteria for ban is different than it would be at Tor or, uh, you know, Random House or wherever. Everybody's got different different ideas on what works and what doesn't. So how do you, how do you figure that part out? You know, you, you talk about, you know, developing a tolerance for reading and, and seeing if this is your thing. But once you decide it's your thing, wh- where's that where's that nugget of knowledge that says, "Aha, this is going to be a best selling book. This one is going to sell copies. and and I don't mean New York Times bestseller. I mean actually selling copies off the shelf and <laughs> making money for the for the edit for the publisher and the author?
1: Well, I tell you what if 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 I had the uh, the exact formula for that, i I would be bottling that up and selling it. Um, so uh, the, the answer is we that editing is uh, is an apprenticeship kind of um, an education, um, and you don't know um, until you've had the chance to acquire. Um, and uh, as with writers, when when writers are looking to sell to to traditional publishers, they're going to look and see they're going go to go they're going to go to their bookshelves, they're going to look on in, in the bookstores, and they're going to say. All right who publishes the kind of thing it is that I do well same if you're you know if you want to get into editing who is it who publishes the kind of thing that I'm reading and that I enjoy and that I um, uh, that I think I would be good at picking out Um, being able to tell the difference between something that's okay and something that's going to be um, appealing to a whole uh, to a a larger mass audience it's uh, it is. A, it's a trial and error kind of thing. There's there, there isn't a magic formula mm-hmm. so.
0: in terms of names that I recognize for editors. There's you. There's Ellen Datlow. Um, mm-hmm. Not too many not too many names that are just out there that everybody goes, oh, I know who that is. Yeah. How does how does somebody find an editor to apprentice under it? every now and again? The author will mention an, an editor in the forward of the book, the acknowledgments. But is there is there some best way of finding that entry point if you're looking for an apprenticeship or you're looking for an internship is it just contact the publisher or, or do we are we looking for direct contact with an editor? Is there is there a is there a proper path for this?
1: Um, you know, as as long ago as, you know, a year ago, I would have said, go to science fiction conventions, make yourself known, meet, uh, <laughs> hang out in the bar and, um, uh, you know, go, go to panels to see, uh, see who's simpatico, who, you know, see, see who has the, the kind of philosophy and personality that you would like to work with, um, uh, but yes, going 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 through the publishing houses themselves is a the way to do it. Um, back in my day, I flooded uh, I flooded the science fiction world with my resume, and um, you know, two stuck. Uh, one of them was Bain, and the other was Locus. Um Locus back in the day, and uh, uh, hired a lot of editorial assistants, and it was a good way to you know to get into the business. Um, if you're willing to start off on the ground floor, um, being an editorial assistant somewhere, um, is another good way to go. There's not a whole lot of science fiction lines left at traditional uh, publishers, um, uh, and for most of them, you have to. Uh, again, a year ago, I would have said you have to live in New York to do that. Uh, right. Now, who knows? There's so much uh, telecommuting that uh, you know maybe you don't. Um, so, so yeah, the 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 path is 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 not an easy one.
0: You mentioned uh, going to panels and and being simpatico uh, philosophically and and that sort of thing raises the ugly specter of the cancel culture. If you don't agree with us for fill in the blank, then we're not going to take a look at you. And, And we've seen a number of examples, especially in the YA market. Where authors essentially get bullied into either pulling their book altogether or changing it to satisfy some whatever gender identity politics type, you know, whatever, you know, politically correct culture of the day thing. Have you noticed in traditional publishing now self-publishing, you just go you go publish whatever you want in in self-publishing our, that's not a problem. But in traditional publishing, how much of an issue do you think it's been? Because you know, you look at you look at what Bain uh, publishes, you look at what Tor publishes, and there's a lot of criticism back and forth about you know various different things that have gotten published, and the question why is this a is this a problem in traditional publishing right now, or has this been just kind of overblown because the internet is full of loud, noisy mean junior high girls
1: uh, well certainly that um, all, all I can speak is for us sure. right? is for Bain I, I don't know if it's been a problem for the traditional publishers what I can tell you is that there are people who used to be published by those uh, other publishers who are now looking for other publishers and there are some people that, that uh, who, who we've been able to pick up um, so <sighs> Is it a problem for their bottom line? I honestly can't tell you. Um, it, the The traditional publishers, um, I know Tor does. I don't know if the other, you know, other publishing lines do um, have uh, political uh, sensitivity readers um, who are, you know, who who are part of the editorial process. We don't have that at Bain. Um, our editorial process is very streamlined. Um, uh, this can sometimes mean that there's a bottleneck because I have to approve all acquisitions. Um, but uh, but you're not but but your work is not going to be sent to a sensitivity e- editor. Um, if that's something that you don't agree with, you think that things should be sent to a sensitivity editor, then you know you should, You know you're not going to you're not going to want to work at Bain. Um, if you think they don't, then maybe you should consider um, send us your you know send us your resume. Um, we do have volunteer editorial positions as well, not just internships. So, um, how do,
0: how so, do you? So, yeah, I mean,
1: I, I don't know how they make money. All I know is how I make money.
0: Right. Now, when
1: <laughs> I make money, I make money by, by, by publishing good stories, you know, regardless of. Who the writer is, what their editorial, you know, what their political positions are, what they have between their legs, what color their hair is—I don't care about any of that. All I care about is, do they have a good story to tell me? Right. Um, and you know, that's how that's how we make our money.
0: So let me ask you: When you have somebody who comes in and they're starting out, and today's climate, everybody's got a—it seems like a, got a chip on their shoulder. How do you? How do you? Mm-hmm. Tell people, leave your personal sensitivities at the door. We are here to publish books, and we're here to put out the best product we can. Whether you agree with the author or not, you're looking at the craft of the book. Do you have to do a lot of those conversations, or is it just kind of a given in the environment that Bain has?
1: Um, we haven't had to, uh, we are now starting to, um, so, uh, you know, we certainly, I'm not trying to offend any of our freelancers, um, or make them, you know, make them work on projects that they're not, not happy with. Um, on the other hand, you know, I, I expect people to be professional. Um, and, um, so, you know, there, there's, there's a line you walk there. I mean, we, at Bain, we publish, um, what, what, When we were accused of being, uh, of of, uh, uh, putting the thumb on the scale for one particular political point of view, I went back um, and looked at the professed positions of our authors online. Um, And for those that expressed political opinions, which was about two-thirds of them, um, about half of those were conservative, libertarian, and about half of those were a uh, liberal democrat um and about one third didn't say anything so we had no idea what their positions are right. um so which i think accurately reflects the, you know, the the population of the united states so um so i think and, and I think that's probably true of our freelancers as well. Again, it's not a question that I ask them. I don't care what their positions are. Right. Um, I, what, I, what, I, what I need to know is, can you deliver me that ad in time? Can you give me that painting? Can you copy edit that manuscript? These are the things that I care about. <laughs> um,
0: have so you, have so you, no,
1: for, for the most part, we haven't had that problem.
0: Have you found that you've had to monitor your own filters? at all, even maybe more so than in the past over the last uh, two, three, four, five, when was, uh, 2015, I guess, is when the whole thing kind of imploded with the Yukos, have you found yourself fighting those biases of your own and say, you know, I got to put that aside, I'm I'm reading X and so's book, I'm reading it for the book? Not to put you on the spot, Um. but...
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no, I really haven't. I mean, you know what? My, my, you know, my my method is still my method. And you know, I, I I I read the book for you know as the book, or read the story as the story. Um, we do publish collections and anthologies as well as as well as novels, of course. Um, and we publish uh, short stories on our on our website and. And nonfiction on the website and so on. Um, so no I I, I I don't think I, I, I have to filter myself. Um, I do try to um, I guess moderate my my social media um, posts and, uh, and and try to try to live up to the philosophy of Bain's bar, right which is no hitting. Right. Right. Sure. <laughs> um, and uh, it, so which is to say no ad hominem attacks. Um, so I will respond to um, and, and again, I try not to do too much of this. But but if I make a political post or if I make a make a political response, it will be about policy, not people, Okay, sure. policy, not personalities. Um, and, 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 I, and I think that's I, I think that's a reasonable way for people to be. Um, do I prescribe that for my authors? No. No, that's not my job. It's not my job to police their speech um, in any way, shape, or form. Um, my job is to publish books, which is what I do.
0: Now, the, the social media. Uh, I had I had a conversation with uh, Ann Crispin before she passed away. I had a chance to interview her for her Pirates of the Caribbean book. And we were talking about the fact that authors nowadays have a lot more of the weight of marketing on their shoulders. Publishers are not doing as much internally to promote books. The authors are expected to do their part, and, and it seems like it's more now than it used to be. But with social media being a part of that mix, how do you... How do you... Separate, and I and I know every every author. It's their own personal account, and you know they do whatever they want to with it. But when you have someone who is associated with a brand, whether it's Bane Books, Star Wars, Star Trek, Doctor Who, uh, Planned Parenthood, whoever, if you have somebody that is that is so closely tied to a thing. How hard is it to separate the author from the work if the author is being a nasty person on social media? Doesn't that do harm to the sales for the publisher?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you have to remember that, you know, unless we are talking some, you know, some huge franchise like Star Wars or Star Trek, um, we're talking teeny tiny populations. Right. Um, so we're talking Tempest and Teacups for the most part. Um, the, the science fiction community, quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, is teeny tiny compared to the science fiction buying public. Okay, um, so that whatever kinds of upsets there are, um, in the community, eh, the the, the, the bottom, the, the you know, the, the effect on the bottom line is, um, not nearly the effect that the people in the community think it is. Um, yeah, so so there's that. Um, but in general, do I, do I think it's a good idea to be, um, unprofessional online? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, you know, b- being a professional jerk, um, you know, people have made a, pro- you know, people have made a career out of it. Harlan Ellison was one, um, <laughs> who, you know, who was really, really good at invective. Um, he was not really, really good at meeting deadlines or, um, uh, working with, with publishers, um yeah yeah he he did but he did he 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 did him he did him (laughs) um and and i think that's basically what it comes down to is that you have you as the reader you as the author you as the person who is posting on social media have to decide for yourself what it is that you're comfortable with um so
0: you mentioned the and
1: that's that that, that, that's a level of personal responsibility that um, you know we think bane readers are prepared for (laughs)
0: yeah. <laughs> you mentioned the science fiction community getting uh, being smaller. Um, do you think that it's shrinking? Do you have do you have any indications that? Not and I have to make the distinction because you have the people who go watch science fiction movies, or they go watch the Star Wars movies. They watch the, you know they watch the Mandalorian. They're not reading the books. They're not picking up the comic books. And. When we were at Worldcon in 2016, when it was here in Kansas City, one of the things that we'd noticed was the, the demographics of who was attending that. And it raises the question, because I keep seeing the people who are interacting in various different groups and factions and whatnot, are fans aging out are are we are we getting to a point of diminishing returns where the people who are actually paying attention to published science fiction are getting older? And how are we how are we bringing in new blood? Have have there been any discussions at Bain about how to attract younger readers?
1: Um, I, I, again, that's sort of a a, a strange demographic thing that i i don't understand um people making these distinctions i've, I've never i've never been you know i identified um or you know dealt with just single cohorts right i've always you know talked to people who are much older than me i've talked to people who are much younger than me um and and i don't think caring about a great story is anything that falls into a particular demographic um now, the science fiction community, if we're talking science fiction conventions and clubs and fanzines um, right. and, and that that particular mode of being social, yeah, yeah, I think that probably is aging out. That said, um, the more things change, the more they stay the same, right? It, it's while traditional conventions and clubs and so on may be getting very old um if you go to a Dragon con or if you go to um, uh, some of the comic cons uh, those are anime conventions, those things are huge you know tens of thousands of people um, they're inclusive and uh, they're as demographically broad by any stripe as you you, you could uh, you could want to paint it um, and, uh, um, and, and and they're very active. Um, so, you know, uh, are, are fans changing in the way that they interact with each other? Yes. Yeah, they, they, they are. Um, but that's not necessarily a bad thing.
0: Are, so, are um, the comic cons? Do our a- books
1: appeal to a broad broad demogra- demographic I think I think they do. But if they don't, I also don't care. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, are the comic cons benefiting from the Hollywood aspect of things? Do you think though, because there are a lot of people there that are there to see Stephen Amell or Carrie Elway's or Ming Na Wen, and the authors in in their area might or might not get a whole lot of traffic, and it it has me wondering if if we might need to maybe not necessarily need to get back to doing just literary com- uh, conventions, but there has been some discussion about doing that kind of thing. I mean, New York Comic Con has split, so you, you, have the, you have the media con and you have the literary con. Do we need to be making that distinction in conventions, do you think, or is that overkill?
1: I don't think it needs to be proscriptive. right? I mean, I, I, you know, why not? Why not both, right? We we'll want the peanut butter and the jelly, and and the chocolate, and, and the bread, and everything. You know, um, have small literary conventions, have big media conventions, have conventions that mingle them all together, have conventions that segregate them. Um, yeah, there, 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 there's no need to there's no need to tell people how to do these things. Yeah. it's supposed to be fun, right? It's supposed to be fun. Um, you know, getting together, talking about science fiction. Science fiction is supposed to be cool. Um, so uh, let, let, let people have fun however they're going to have fun.
0: I don't know. I think your expectations a little bit high there, Tony. It's, it's, <laughs> I mean, we're supposed to be fighting about everything, right? I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that's how this is supposed to go now.
1: Well, you know, fighting fighting is fun too, right? You know, I- I- intellectual fighting is fun. You know, deciding, you know, which, you know, what 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 your favorite Larry Korea series is good. You know, is fun. It's like you know, it's got to be Grimoire. No, yeah. it's Monster Hunter International. No, it's the you know, it's it's the fantasies. Um, or your favorite David Weber. It's like oh, it's got to be Honor Harrington. Well, Path of the Fury is awesome too. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> and that's the right answer. But you know, it. <laughs> but so so you know, fighting on that level, you know, um, Um, you know, Daleks versus, uh, What is it? The the weeping angels. Right. Right. I hope that's on your list of things that we don't need to see anymore. But (laughs) (laughs) it actually
0: it actually was one of those things. That that kind
1: of that kind of fighting is awesome. We should have that kind of fight.
0: Well, and Greg Um, Greg Cox made the point one time that that kind of of debate and discussion has been going on in science fiction since the 30s. I mean, you had your true fans and you had your, you know, all of the different factions, various different times in history. History, but it feels like now the battle lines are a little bit different in terms of you know like what we were talking about earlier with the cancel culture and stuff and and I and I I I, I commiserate to myself how we get back to let's debate Star Wars versus Star Trek as opposed to if you don't like the Last Jedi you're a racist I mean it just I, I would, I would much rather debate Daleks versus Cybermen versus Cylons versus Klingons as opposed to, well, you're not allowed because X.
1: Yeah. Well, I, and, and the answer is back in the 30s, there were, there, it was the exact same political divide was, was already present, right? Mm-hmm. And it was present in fandom, um it was present in 39 at the at the you know, the world con in new york with Sam Moskowitz and uh on one side and and uh Fred Pohl on the other um and uh, that at that time was resolved in a way um that uh, that worked for fandom. Um uh, we're not seeing we're we're not seeing that resolution in 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 science fiction fandom anymore. Right. Um and that's partly because science fi- fiction fandom is more than just a few hundred people. Right. <laughs> sure. Um, that's what it was back then. I mean, you knew everybody, you could know everybody, you could visit everybody. There was some abuse of that. Right. I um, uh, forget what his name was, but, but there was a fan who would, you know, just invite himself over and, and stay and <laughs> you know, like, steal your shit. Um, you know That, you know, there were abuses. of the, the fact that everybody knew everybody.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but um
0: Has has the we
1: are much much bigger.
0: Yeah, has the immediacy of social media exacerbated that? Do you think? Because back in the back in those days, you either debated something in person, or Mm. you did it in the fanzines, or you did it by mail. I mean, you had there was time between shots fired versus you know return fire. And and nowadays, it's right now there's yeah, no, there's no cooling yeah, off yeah. period. There's I, no time I, I to think that's certainly
1: think. some of it. Um, I think the swarming, um, aspect, um, mm. is, is also part of it. Um, the immediacy of, uh, uh, of that, um, and, and the fact that, uh, um, you know, you're not necessarily going to meet this person in real life, right? Yep. So you are your online persona when these are things that you would absolutely not do if you're about to get a pop in the face. Um, you know, or someone was going to shun you and not invite you to lunch um, or something because because you would just mean to them online.
0: Although it seem to be things. Yeah, but it does seem to be impacting whether or not somebody gets invited to be a guest of honor as, 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 uh, as an example or you know we're going to be we're going to be putting this panel together on this particular subject. Well, I'm not going to be on it if so and so's on it. Now I imagine some of that has been going on since all the way back in the day. Yes, <laughs> but <laughs> only now the feuds are a little bit more public. It seems, um, in terms of competition, let me let me kind of pivot a little bit because we mentioned Tor we, and and Bane's out there. You've got you've got Ballantine, Del Rey, you've got Random House. There there aren't that many imprints anymore that are publishing just straight science fiction. Orbit books does. Does the the fewer number of them uh, mean that are 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 you all kind of getting along, or is you know is this knives out? You know, are are you all looking at each other as the, the distinguished competition, or are they enemies at the gate? How do how do you perceive each other in terms of the competitive businesses, not individual personalities, but you know. Because I mentioned that there's a whole, there's a whole slew of people that would be, you know, neener, neener to each other. But in terms of the, in terms of the businesses themselves, how they approach each other, how they, how they market, is there, is there a, a particular way of going about that?
1: Well, I, I I think you'd be surprised that it's actually the opposite. Is that is that mostly, um, uh, you know, the the editors in science fiction are, are all fairly collegial and um, with some notable exceptions, um, but but the but the rest of us are, you know, you know we'll we'll raise a glass together if we meet in real life, um, but the. Um, but in terms of business strategies, um, again, you know, I can't I can't speak for anybody else. Sure. Um, I can just say that, you know, we at Bain do what we do. That's what we've done. Um, we've been doing it for nearly 40 years now. Um, we publish a particular kind of story experience that, that, that you get at Bain. And, and readers um, who fall into our logo know that they will get a consistent experience. You may not like every author that we do, but we're not going to we're not going to shock you um, uh, with, uh, with with something that you're you're not going to expect. Um, that that, and again, you know that story experience can be in an, you know almost any genre that that, that is fantasy or science fiction, um, from time travel to alternate history to space opera to urban fantasy to epic fantasy. Um, it's it, it doesn't have to do with genre; it has to do with um, the quality of the experience. Um, so that's what we do. That's what we focus on. That's how we market. Um, I can't can't really speak to how the other guys do it. Um, don't really know. Don't care.
0: (laughs) We do what we do. But you're also not sitting there going, Hey, we're better than Tor" or or anything like that. It's just, you know,
1: Again, we do do what we do. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a big pie. You know, science fiction is, you know, the potential audience for science fiction is huge. Um, so, you know, there's no reason why we can't do what we do and they do what they do and, and, and Del Rey does what Del Rey does and the Star Wars novels do what the Star Wars novels do and have all of that, you know, be, you know, happen in in perfectly, um, you know, collegial harmony.
0: Uh, sci-fi snob in the chat. He says, I hear Bane and Tor get together once a month in the back alleys of New York to settle their differences with a no holds barred gang fight. (laughs) But we don't you know, talk about those, if, right? If
1: that were true, there would be nobody alive <laughs> over there. You knew that. Yeah. Well, now <laughs> is I,
0: I had I had a question on on that because the not not from the standpoint of the marketing, but the philosophy of of Bain, the the publishing philosophy. You mentioned the, we've done it the way we've always done it. How how much of a challenge is it to maintain that mandate? after all these years when you took over as publisher what was there a significant amount of pressure to keep things just so or it just is a natural we're just going to keep doing the way we're doing do you have pressure from the outside to do things differently at any time
1: uh not really uh you know when 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 jim was alive i was his executive editor um so um you know, I came into the business at Bain Books, um, but you know when I arrived at Bain Books, my my taste was already um, fully formed, um, and it jived really, really well with Jim's. So, um, I, 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 we we did, you know, I, I certainly think that that when I when I came on board as publisher, people were hoping that I wouldn't. Um, uh, take things in a weird direction away from what, uh, uh, you know, where, where Bain had been when Jim was alive. Sure. Um, and of course I didn't because I, I liked the stuff that he was publishing and, 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 you know, as executive editor, I was responsible for a lot of it myself. So, um, so yeah, it's, there, there definitely was, um, uh, Feedback, shall we say, feedback <laughs> from uh, from our readers that said we like what Bain is doing. Please don't change that, um, uh, and I didn't. Um, so, um, so, so we've had that continuity of editorial vision um, uh, the entire, uh, you know, the entire time Bain has been in existence.
0: So you mentioned David Weber earlier. It uh, it mm-hmm. it gives me an opportunity here to say, when is the next Honor Harrington book coming out?
1: Ah, well the, that's, the that's next honor verse book <laughs> is um, uh, is going to be uh, uh, in the call to series. Um, no that's not true. that's not true. The next one will be uh, his collaboration with Eric Flint um, called what the hell was it? It used to be called the Face of Evil and um, now it's called something else.
0: Now this is the one on the this is yeah. this is part of the torch line.
1: Yes. Okay. Yes, it is. So we're t- we're taking the story beyond the uh, the last honor Harrington novel. So we are now taking the fight to the slavers, and that's that's going to be really really exciting. I'm really so, looking forward uh, to that one. Yeah. So Excited about that, and that is I think in uh, not s- I think it's I think it's fall fall of t- fall of twenty yeah. one.
0: And and David's got uh, the new one, the new vampire one with Chris Kennedy. That has yes, just but, come that's, out, but or? that's
1: from that's from that other publisher. Other, so. other
0: publisher, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what else no, is it's good? It's good too. What else is coming out soon? What else are you working on in-house? What What can you tell us about?
1: Well, um, uh, you know, we published last year uh, Jerry Pornell's last book, Mama Luke's, Um and uh, yeah. Um, I just wanted, you know, it came out in the middle of the COVID season when, you know, people were hunkering down and not All going right. into bookstores, um, but this one is really, really, really good. So, um, you know, I'm going to say if you missed this then you then you should go be seeking it out because um, it is a great piece of, pla- you know, it's a planet story, it's military science fiction, it's Jerry's last solo novel, um, and uh, it, it's great. Um, uh, same, same thing for, um, uh, Starborn and Godsons, which was the, the last of Jerry's collaborations with Larry Niven and Stephen Barnes, um, in the Legacy of Heroes series. So, uh, also a great novel came out in April last year. Um, this one, um, also, um, is really neat. Uh, yeah, Gunrunner, um, by Larry Correa and that way, yeah, that way. And, uh, and John Brown. So um, you can see it's got the shiny foil cover on it. Um, <laughs> and uh, it, this is Larry Correa stepping out and writing a science fiction novel. He's, he's, he's done science fiction short stories before but this is a whole novel length one. Um, so uh, sort of uh, shades of Andre Norton, shades of Anne McCaffrey, um, but with maybe more guns so, um.
0: <laughs> well, with, with Larry's stuff, you could always expect more guns, right? Indeed,
1: I mean, Indeed
0: yes. <laughs> have, have you had to field a lot of uh, complaints about Larry? I mean, he's, he's one of the more outspoken ones out on social media. You talk about that. Um, mm-hmm. it, I don't imagine that it creates a problem, but have there ever been conversations with any authors and say, hey, maybe, maybe dial it back just a little bit? Or do y'all, y'all just completely stay out of it. You you do you, and we'll just publish the book.
1: I, I I'm not going to comment. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: okay. Instead, Fair enough. I'm going
1: to talk about more other books. Yes. So we'll do Tim that. Powers. <laughs> Tim Powers, who is not on, who is hardly on social media at all. Yeah. Um, we're doing his. Uh, we're doing his urban fantasies now. So,
0: uh,
1: oh, okay. uh, we 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 put out his uh, collected short fiction uh, a couple of years ago, um, and he's he's doing great stuff for us. Um, Tim is—he uh, he had a long, um, and checkered career with—with with, well, not checkered, but storied career. Let's put it that way. Um, puts out great, great book after great book, um, and um, is one of our our finest living fantasy writers, um, and so we're we're really happy to be publishing him. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, people, you know, writer, writers on social media, you know, they're. They're going to be on social media you, yeah. you were talking about um uh, back you made a comment how publishers expect writers to to do their share in terms of in, in terms of marketing um and at Bain, we do a lot of marketing yeah. um, a lot a lot a lot um, we're on all the social media platforms uh, but we also do marketing to uh, to the trade um, so we market directly to bookstores. We market directly to libraries, um, and of course, you know, we have a website where we market directly to consumers. Um, we don't require our writers to be marketers as well. Um, the ones who enjoy it, for you know, for those, for those, for whom it's fun, great, you know, have at it, do you? Yeah. Um, but if that's not something that you enjoy, we 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 don't expect it, we don't want you to do something you're not um, you're not having fun with. Um, we would much rather you just sat down, wrote the next book, um, and have that be your 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 marketing contribution. Um, How much so that is, is a different attitude from a lot of a lot of publishers these days,
0: right? How much has the pandemic affected the, the the press junket aspects of getting getting the word out about books? Because you know we'll get emails from PR companies, you know this author or this you know this person is available for interviews, and we're doing a lot of them online, like we're doing this one. Yeah. Is online a permanent? Part of the mix now in terms of both publicity and maybe conventions. I mean, we've, I've talked to a number of people talking about, you know, there are going to be people once things open back up, there are going to be people that are not going to want to go to conventions immediately. There's going to have to be some kind of virtual track. Does does it make sense that in the in the publicity and promotions aspects of things, virtual and online, this this kind of interaction is just going to be a permanent part of the mix now?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, it's it's again, it's it's one of those if if you have the capability and we all do now. Right. Um, everybody's got their headsets and their cameras. Um you know we, we know, we know how to do uh, teleconferencing, and, and, and there's no particular reason not to, right? Um, so if, if you can extend your reach and give something that the consumer the, wants, then why not? Um, so yeah, we, we, we are all all going to go hybrid. Um, but, uh, but right now, the bookstores have not opened up yet to, uh, to signings. We've tried. We want to send authors out. Um, but the bookstores are not comfortable with it yet.
0: No. So, in all of this, in in the lockdown and and learning to adjust and making those making those changes, have have you had any insights about Tony Weisskopf and in, in the approach to how you're doing things? Have you have you has anything changed for you in terms of how you look at? the job you do
1: well i i uh i, I was recently at a, a small in-person convention and i realized i was cussing a lot more than i usually do and, and you know i cuss a lot anyway um but uh but not being around people that much has made me realize I, I really have to watch watch myself i'm very proud that i haven't done much of that here uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um but 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 other than that um yeah, I mean, you know, what well, my job is to sit down and read books, right, um, and figure out which books are the ones that we should publish. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that's, that's the heart of what it is that I do. That's the heart of what it is we do at Bate. We say, these are books you guys are going to like. Right. Um, and, uh, and the, the pandemic hasn't, hasn't really changed them.
0: Now, if I'm a new author, uh, you know, I've, I've self-published, I I think I've got what it takes. I'm going to go approach Bane. What kind of stories are you looking for? I mean, are are you guys open for submissions at this point right now? And if so, what kind of stories do you want to have? Are you, do you have some that you're not getting enough submissions in a particular type of story? What are you what are you looking for right now?
1: Um, We, uh, we are open to submission. Um, You don't have to have an agent um, to submit to Bain Books. Um, We do have a, uh, we do have an online submission uh, process. Um, It is not particularly easy. It's not particularly hard, but um, it is a test. Um, (laughs) um, If you can figure it out, all to the good. Um, uh, but just go to bain.com and and, uh, and, and look for the uh, FAQs and you'll you, you will find it there. Um, but uh, we, we say that we are Bain Books publishes at the heart of science fiction and fantasy so um, we're, we're not looking for anything in particular um, but if it's a genre that we've published before um, then then we are likely to publish again. Um, things that are "Quote unquote experimental," which is to say, sad retreads of things that were not new in the 1920s. Um, we, you know, we're not particularly interested in. Um, but uh, if you're the next Zelazny, if you're the next Sturgeon, if you're the next Heinlein, um, if you're the next Bujold, or McCaffrey, or Norton, or um, uh, you know, anybody, and you know, like that. Yes, we want to hear from you. Absolutely, yeah.
0: <laughs> and that's and that's both Heinlein early. Early career and Heinlein late career, right?
1: Well, I think Heinlein <laughs> late career is sort of one of a kind. <laughs> Although, I, you know, I, I got to say the older I get, the more I get older Heinlein. So right. I, I I still don't know about the, the number of the beasts necessarily. But The Cat Who Walks the Walls, I hated when I first read it when I was a young woman. And I, when I reread it, a, you know, a few years ago, I was like, oh, huh. Yeah. All right, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe.
0: <laughs> Has that have you noticed a change in, in in what you see as being a good sellable story then as you've gotten older, as you've done this more? Or have, have your tastes changed in terms of what you want to publish?
1: I, I, I don't think so, no. Um, I, I, I try to avoid being jaded. I try to avoid being um, too sophisticated um for uh for, for a general audience um i think i do have less patience with things that are not original uh, mm-hmm. but i try to um i i i, I try to err on the side of listening to what the author has to say um and 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 you know if the author you know there's nothing new under the sun right that's in the bible okay right. solomon i think king solomon right this is the old testament this is you know the, the, Humans, humans are humans. We go back to anthropology, right? We bring it back full circle. There's there's human universals, right? It's how you do it. It's the voice that you, as the author, bring to it. It's it's the vision that you, as the artist, you know, give to the illustration. Um, so I I, I tried to I, I tried to leave myself open to to hearing that voice and seeing that vision.
0: And is there any kind of story that you don't want? anyone to submit or you've got way too many in a particular category right now or you don't or or that type you know time travel is played out dystopian future is played out we we don't need any more fill in the box i'm type. gonna
1: say pandemic <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say that, you know, we're we are good on pandemic stories. Right. Um, you, you know, it's a little scary with Ringo, like, you know, how many the things that Ringo's disasters have <laughs> predicted. Um, so if we start seeing aliens pouring through Stargates, I, I'm not going to be at all surprised. Um,
0: but, but I was but talking yeah. to Declan Finn. Uh, <laughs> Declan Finn was talking about his, you know, his his New York stories. And he was like, "These things weren't supposed to be predictive." And now, and now he's like, "Well, I've got to figure out something that I absolutely know is not going to happen." <laughs> because what what do you do with that kind of thing, right? yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah? But yeah, yeah. but yeah, pe- people, deal, people dealing people dealing with pandemics are you know are, are probably not going to be uh, that that's probably going to be overdone in the next years. So. Yeah,
0: well, and it's <laughs> funny I've noticed uh, when we our, the wife and I were watching Stargate. And, uh, you know, introducing her to the series and there was a there was a pandemic episode. And it's it strikes me now from the from the perspective that we have now, just how much, you know, all of these series that have these plague and pandemic episodes, what they get right and what they what they don't get in terms of what we're actually going through. And in some cases, it's kind of eerie.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, you, you take a look at uh, Asimov's Caves of Steel series, oh, yeah. you know, subseries, and you're like, huh, <laughs> huh. Well, that kind of sucks. <laughs> you know, didn't didn't want to be in that particular future. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, we just we just published a time travel, um, huge broad um, uh, adventure by uh, Weber and uh, new guy Jacob Holo um and he's got uh, they have uh, Samuel Pepys as one of their action heroes um and as you would expect and uh <laughs> um and, and of course he comes from uh, from a plague background and this this was written what 18 you know started 24 24 months ago 8 you know, finished 18 months ago long before any of you know any talk of um pandemics um was uh you know you know was on the horizon and uh you know but it you know, was published right in the middle of it so, you know.
0: All right. So uh, you are, how many How many books are you editing currently at this point? Mm. What have you got in the pipeline? How long does it take to do that sort of thing?
1: Wow, boy. I, you know, I'd like, I, I, I would say I'm reading. I'm in the middle of reading about four or five books, um, which is too many. You shouldn't do that many at a time. <laughs> bad bad editor. Uh, But uh, but we do, uh, we do six or seven books a month. um, And, you know, some of them I read in a night. And uh, some of them, you know, take three or four weeks, just, you know, just completely just depends on the book. And, you know, what's
0: required. All right, well, we're very much looking forward to the next uh, honor Harrington verse, you know the the honor verse book here, uh, but whatever else you've got coming out, I'm I'm looking forward to that. And maybe we uh, maybe we got to get on the media list and try to start doing some reviews on oh, some yeah, of this. Yeah, stuff. Yeah. That would We'd be good. Mm-hmm. All right, Tony Wiszkoff, thanks very much for being here today. You can find out more at bandbooks.com. It's B A E N. And uh, you mentioned uh, that bans on on social media. Does that include all of the uh, the alt right? Istophobe platforms like uh uh not not twitter where where can where is when you say all all social media so.
1: well we're not on all social media we don't have the kind of staff to be you know literally everywhere but sure. uh, we are on facebook we are on youtube uh we are on MeWe we and um uh we I think we have a Twitter feed, but that just it just echoes what you know, will be put up on on, on Facebook.
0: So, OK. All um. right. Well, we will have you back again to talk more about uh, all the stuff going on over at BAN. And maybe at some point very soon, hopefully, <laughs> knock on wood, we'll actually get to see you in person at an event soon.
1: Oh, that'd be great. We'd love, we'd love, love to see you.
0: All right. Tony Weiskopf, thanks very much for being here. And thank all of you for being here and being in the chat. And uh, if you've got uh, comments or questions or any kind of a suggestion for guests or topics, uh, you can leave us a comment or send us an email live from the bunker at sci-fi4me.com. Don't forget, tomorrow is our first fairy piece session with SB, the Every Fairy. She's going to be here. We'll, we'll have an open mic show where you can call in and ask your questions. We're just getting ahead of the Valentine's Day and she's got some advice whether she's qualified to give it or not. So uh, be here for that at 1 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. And then Tartasauce on Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern. And remember there are four lights. Thanks very much for being here everyone.